in the middle of the storm, and our anchor is sure when we're anchored in you. And thank you for the promises that you've granted us, the riches that are found in the Word of God. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the way that you use your spirit to guide, to direct, to comfort, to convict, to lead us into truth. And we ask that this morning, that we, as we open the Word of God, that our hearts would be open and moldable to your spirit, that we would say yes to you. Father, there may be some things that you need to change in us, and we ask that you would do that through your word this morning. I pray that we would see Jesus Christ. I pray that it wouldn't be my words that are heard or my thoughts, but it would be yours. So I ask that your will would be accomplished in us. Thanks for the the privilege it's been to worship you together this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, well, the last six or seven weeks, we've been studying the book of 2 Peter, and uh, I get the privilege of wrapping that up as we uh, finish 2 Peter this morning and get ready to jump into uh, the next four weeks of looking at uh, the Christmas season and uh, Jesus Christ, and we're going to look at at uh, the Christmas season from some different perspectives, perspectives, some individual perspectives from Scripture as people saw the, the uh, story of Christ unfold, and we'll be looking at that in the next few weeks together. But this morning, we get to finish the book of Second Peter, and we are going to read each of the verses, so you can give Mike a report when he's back next week that we actually read all of the verses and we didn't leave any out. This morning, we're going to talk about being diligent, and that's how Peter uh, ends up this book. Peter did a great job of reminding us of a number of things as we started the book, right? He reminded us of who we are in Jesus Christ. He reminded us of all of the precious promises that are ours, uh, that can be ours through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that when we yield ourselves to Jesus Christ and we say yes to him, that the Spirit of God and God himself provides everything that we need through Christ Jesus. And that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, yielding ourselves to him and allowing him to have control of our heart and our life. And then Peter moved on and he said, look, you are in Christ And you have a relationship with Christ and all these promises are yours, but look out. And he gives a warning, remember? He said there are false prophets and a lot of times those false prophets come from within the body itself. And they they show up within the body and they teach just a little bit off center. They take the truth and they twist it just a little bit and they twist it for their own behavior, for their own benefit, for their own for their own good, really, and they lead people astray by teaching false doctrine. And Peter had a lot to say, and he was very harsh. If you remember, he said they're like animals that need to be hunted down and wiped out. That was his phrasing that he used. And he said they're incredibly dangerous what they do, and often they will draw you away to the point where they suck you in, take you for everything that you're worth, and kind of leave you hanging. That's what they do. He said they offer hope that they don't have to give. They tell you that there's this good life to live and they really have nothing to give you at all. 
And he says, when you stick to the truth of the word of God and you're with Jesus Christ and Christ alone is the answer to your life and he's the one who's directing your life, he gives you hope that's eternal and that lasts. And he showed the contrast there between the two. And he kept that warning going and he said, look, these false teachers, not only are they out for their own benefit, but they're also going to tell you that God won't keep his promise. That God's not going to come back as he promised that he would. And their whole thing was, see, he hasn't come back yet. And Peter goes on and he says, no, the day of the Lord is coming. It's a sure thing. God always keeps his word. And you remember this little phrase he used in chapter 2? He said this. He said, the Lord is not being slow. He's being patient with us. And the point of his patience with us is so that many could come to salvation. God is not sitting in heaven saying, I can't wait to judge all these people. He's actually waiting because he wants more people to understand the truth of who Christ is, the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And he wants to offer that hope to as many people as possible. And then Peter ends that in chapter 2. And he says, look, look out for those scoffers. And chapter 3, he started and he said this, the judgment that God promised is going to happen and you and I will not save this world. You remember we talked about that at the beginning of last week. That is not our job. God ultimately will judge this earth. And scripture tells us, Peter told us this, he said, all of the earth, all of the elements, all the parts of the earth will melt. God is going to severely judge the earth. And he will create a new heaven and a new earth. But that is on God's timetable, not ours. And he encourages us to continue to walk with God in light of what God is about to do. And we pick up this morning wrapping that thought up. And, he, and we pick up with what we're supposed to do in the meantime, how we're supposed to walk with God. Well, we wait on God. What are we supposed to be doing? And we finished that last week, and we said that we're supposed to be, be living for God. That's let him do the judgment part. We're going to live for God in the middle of it. We're going to walk for God. Well, Peter keeps that thought going as he finishes up this chapter. We're going to jump in this morning at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, if you have your Bible. Let me start with this verse. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. Therefore is how he starts this verse. And remember, whenever you see therefore, you ask the question, what? What's it there for, right? Therefore, he says, in light of the fact that God ultimately will be the judge, God is the one who's going to judge this earth. He's going to judge all of sin. He's going to judge all sinners. That is God's. God tells us this, that at one point when God comes back to make that judgment, every knee will bow before him and he will make all things right because that's who God is. And so Peter says, therefore, in light of the fact that God is going to do this, and I love this next little phrase, this phrase has been on my mind for about two weeks, I can't get it out of my head, and the little phrase is this, therefore, while you wait. You ever been in a while you wait situation? We all have. Therefore, while you wait, 
The idea here that Peter is getting going to get at and, and he's going to help us with is this. Don't wait idly while you wait. Don't sit around and talk about the fact that Christ is coming and Christ will judge. Don't just talk about what the Father's business is. Don't just talk about the fact that God is good and God has all this in control and God is sovereign and he's got it all figured out. Don't just sit around and have discussions for yourself or amongst yourself. While you wait, don't be idle. While you wait. This was a phrase that my dad used to use, and that's part of the reason why it's been, been running around in my head. I grew up in a home, and my dad was a farmer, and uh, on, on the farm, you, you would get up in the morning in the summer, and we would be getting ready to do hay. And so we would jump in the truck, and the hay had been cut, and it had been drying, and we would go out to the field, and, and we would get out of the truck, and we'd walk over to the hay, and we would pick it up, and dad would feel the hay, and it was still just a little too wet can't bail it when it's wet because if you bail it when it's wet you bail it tight when it's wet it heats up and something called spontaneous combustion happens in the barn when you pile all kinds of hay together that's just a little bit wet it heats up and it will start a fire all by itself and it will burn a barn down and so we would go out to the field and he would pick that hay up and he would feel that and he would say it's just a little bit wet we can't start yet and then the phrase would happen and he would say, and while we wait, and these would, would be the next things, and while we wait, let's clean out the calf pens. And while we wait, let's go weed the garden. Woohoo! Ever weed carrots? That was my first job when I was good, 10 cents an hour. I got robbed. <laughs> I'm telling you, weed the carrots. You ever tried it? It's, 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 I think it was done to teach me patience. I'm pretty sure that's what was going on. But while we wait, and dad always had something else that we were going to do while we, we didn't sit idle while we waited. That's the thought that Peter has here. Peter says, therefore, in light of the fact that God is coming back, while you wait, there's a ton of things that you can be doing as a Christ follower. Believer, if you're a believer here this morning, I want you to stop for a minute. I want you to just, I want you to look at your life. I'm excited about the coming back of Christ. I can't wait. Can't wait for that event. It's going to be an incredible day. And I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're waiting for that. I'm sure you can't wait for the day when you get to stand before the one who saved you by his incredible grace and love and mercy, it's going to be phenomenal. But while you wait, what are you doing? This week while you waited on Christ's return, what were you doing? Where did all your effort and your energy go this week? Peter reminds these people, he says this, look, I don't want you to wait idly. <laughs> See, the church at this point, some things were happening in the church, and you need to understand where Peter's coming from. There were those who had come to a point where they said, look, if Christ is really coming back, 
then I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to sit on my rooftop. They didn't have roofs like ours. They had flat roofs. And I'm just going to sit on my rooftop. I'm just going to wait for the coming of God, the coming of Jesus Christ, because the world stinks right now. And I would rather be up there waiting than be in the middle of what the world's doing. And folks, as a church, that can happen to us where we look at what's going on in our culture and in our world, and we can go... Christ is coming back at some point, and so I'm just going to sit aside, and I'm just going to wait. I'm going to live in my little bubble. I'm going to go in my little hole or whatever it is, and I'm going to protect myself from everybody else, and I'm just going to wait until he comes back. And God says this to us, no, that's not what I asked you to do. Yes, I want you to wait for my return, but I don't want you to sit around idly as you wait. And he finishes this phrase out. He says, while you wait... Make every effort. You see this? He says, look, you can be waiting on the coming of God. And at the same time that you're waiting, you're making every effort. And he finishes this phrase out with this. Here's the effort. Make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. Now, I need to tell you something, and you may already know this, but we live in a dirty world. And it's getting worse all the time. Actually, no, I take that back. It's not because sin is sin. And all sin is dirty. It doesn't really matter what kind it is. But we live in a really dirty world. If you're like me, when I go to work and I have clean clothes on, dirt jumps on me. If I'm around grease, if I'm around a machine and it has grease, I don't even have to go near the machine and I'm greasy. It's amazing how it works. Well, the same is true with us living in the world. It rubs off. The dirt rubs on us. And Peter writes this and he says, look, I want you to be waiting, but while you're waiting, I want you to make every effort, and catch this, he says, to stay clean. Now, Peter's not saying, go in your bubble and stay clean. He's saying, live in the middle of the world, be in it, show Jesus Christ to the world, but be different while you're in the world. I want you to be spotless. I want you to look different than the rest of the world. And the problem with us in the church often is this. We want to be so like the world that nobody would ask us any questions about what's different about us. And scripture says this to us. It says, look, you should look so different that people are asking you why you're different. It doesn't say you should look so weird that people are asking you why you're weird. That's not it. And people think that sometimes. It says this, you should look so different in how you're living out your life and what you're doing in your life that people come to you and they say, why is your life so different? And Peter says this in another place. He says, look, they're going to ask you for the hope that's found in you because your life is different than theirs. And so he says, while you, while you wait, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in God's sight. And, and I love how he ends that verse. He says, at peace. Now, this doesn't mean lack of chaos. That's not what this means. That's impossible. It's not what he means. He's talking about an inner peace. He's talking about being at a place in your relationship with Jesus Christ that in spite of the chaos that's going on around you, you're at peace. You ever experienced that? I do. 
I can live in a chaotic world at peace because I know God has got me. I'm in his hand. God has got this. I don't have to worry about it. God is in control. And Peter's saying, look, while you're living out your life, while you're waiting on God, while you're making every effort to live like Jesus Christ in a perverted and dirty world, you can have the peace of God. The peace of God that brings you to a place no one else can be at. And they'll look at you and go, what's different about you? You go, I know the one. I know the one who gives peace. You can too. That's what Peter's telling these believers. He's saying, look, I don't want you to just sit around. I want you to be working hard at being spotless and blemish-free in the middle of this world. And it's hard work to do that. I want you to be at peace with who you are in Christ. It's internal, not external. It's living life without complaint. It means that that I'm resting completely and 100% on the person of Jesus Christ and not on myself. He goes on. Look at verses 15 and 16. Also, you're waiting. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all his letters. There are some things hard to understand in them. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of Scripture. Paul, Peter says this. He says, also, at the same time that you're, while you're waiting... Also, while you're waiting on Jesus Christ, while you're living a spotless and and blemish-free life, while you're at peace with Jesus Christ, also at the same time, remember the patience of the Lord. Remember what that was about? Back, we talked about it in chapter 2. God is patient so that what? Many would come to him. And so he says this, look, also while you're waiting, remember the point. Remember the commandment of God in your life. Paul tells you it over and over and he gives this thing. He says, look, in all of Paul's writing, he reminds you of what it means to be redeemed, to be made new in Jesus Christ. All of Romans, the writing of Romans by Paul was, look, you have been redeemed. God has paid the price for your sin. You have been bought back. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember that God is patiently waiting for many to come to Jesus Christ. And it is our job, it is our duty, we are commanded, we are implored by God to be part of sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with those around us. So again, believer, let me stop. While you were waiting this week, how well did you do at showing the love of Jesus Christ to those who don't have it yet, who don't know it yet. Were we so busy complaining about what's going on politically and how it's affecting our security and our our wonderful safety in our lives that we didn't have time to point people to Jesus? That's what I fear is happening in North America. We're so concerned about our own safety and security and comfort 
that we've forgotten what the mandate is. And Peter reminds us, he says, look, while you wait, do not sit idly because God is being patient so that many could come to a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And that's his patience. See, pay attention, see the heart of God. Know his heart. Know the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. Know the passion of Jesus. Think of the passion of Christ alone. That one who is God, he's part of the creation. He created all things. All things are under his name and his authority. He's in heaven and he chooses to come to this earth. We're about, we're about there where we're going to celebrate it. Where he chooses, God himself chooses to come to this earth as a little baby. To make himself incredibly uncomfortable. For me. Put your name in there. For you. Think of the lengths that God went to to restore me. Think of the change. If you're a Christ follower here this morning, think of the change that that has made for you. That God would do that. Now don't be selfish with it. Give it away. That's what he asks. He said, look, if you've been made new, if you're a new creation in Jesus Christ, while you wait, give it away. Give it away. You know what I've found out about giving Jesus away? The more that I give Jesus away, the more of him that I have. It's an interesting thing. The more that I share Christ, the more I know him. The more that I offer Christ to others and I pray for others and I engage them in understanding that he is concerned about their spirit and their heart and their life and their freedom and hope for eternity the more I understand his heart and his mind and his character. So Peter says this, give him away. (laughs) While you wait, don't wait idly. Live in the patience of the Lord that many would know him. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy. This won't be on the screen. Just listen to this. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, and if we give up ourselves, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Our unfaithfulness does not affect his faithfulness. For he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and commend them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. This is what happens in the church, by the way. We fight over words and we lose the big picture of what God has for us. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. 
Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like a cancer. Paul writes, this is what Peter said. Look at what Paul said. Paul said, live in the truth. Live out the truth. Know the truth so well. Know the word of God so well that it's part of your very being and you're living it out and people see it and they experience it in you. And if you're living that, you won't have time to argue about truth because you're so busy giving it away. That was the writing of Paul. And that's what Peter exhorted. He said, read the writing of Paul. Study it. Know it. Know his heart because he's going to point you to Jesus. He's going to keep pointing you to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Study. Know the truth for yourself. And that way when the false teachers show up and they twist the truth, you go, no, that's not right. Because that's not what the word of God says. Know the truth. First, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17, the next verse. Therefore, dear friends, remember, therefore, since, we, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position. You catch? Therefore, because you're aware there are people trying to twist the truth, therefore, be on your guard. This is a military term. And you know what it means? Be on your guard. It's that, it's that simple. It means be prepared. It means set a watch. It means Look up. Keep your eyes open. The phrase is very practical. It's when you're near enemy territory, you're, you're in enemy territory, then set a guard against them. When you're living, we are living in the middle of enemy territory. Every day of our life, he says this, set up a watch. Be prepared because they're going to try to drag you away. I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I was thinking about when Nehemiah was re rebuilding the temple. And if you look at chapters 3 and 4 in Nehemiah, they're, they're hard at work and they're about halfway done the job of rebuilding the temple. I mean the walls around, around Jerusalem. And they're, they're, they've been working hard and there's those on the outside who are trying to ruin the work that they're doing. And they've threatened them and they've done all kinds of things. And you look at that chapter and Nehemiah says this. He says, we continued to work and we set a watch against them day and night. And then if you read down to the end of that chapter, you see this. It says this, we made half of the men work and the other half we gave swords and spears and shields and we told them to watch. And then he went farther and he said this, and then we took all the, all the workers and we, we belted a sword on all the workers. And so with one hand they worked at the work and the other they were ready with the sword. And he finishes the passage by saying this, we were so diligent that we never even took our clothes off for days on end as we watched and worked and were ready to fight all at the same time. That's the picture. To set a guard. Believer, let me ask you, what kind of a guard have you set against those who would encroach, those who would pull you away, those that would, would make you think different things about the truth? What kind of a guard have you set? 
Have you put a guard on your TV? Have you put a guard on the stuff that you're watching on a regular basis? Have you put a guard on your computer and the news that you're listening to? What kind of a guard have you set that would affect your mind and your heart? Nehemiah says, look, it was so important that we put the guard in and we did it day and night. It was constant. Our guard should be up like that. I was studying this in my office and often little songs go through my mind. And as I was thinking about this, I was trying to think about how practical this really needs to be. How real this needs to be. And a little song came into my head that I learned as a little boy. And it goes like this. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. Great song, right? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Yeah, you got it. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little. You got it. Set a guard. You say, that's a silly little kid song. But the practical truth of that song is incredibly deep. See, believer, we go through life, and we live our lives for us so much of the time. And we lose what Peter's trying to say. And he's saying, look, setting a guard is a very simple thing, but it's also incredibly difficult. Setting a guard is watching all of the members of my body and making sure that they don't end up in places that they shouldn't be. Because if one member of my body starts down a road that it shouldn't be on, all of the rest of the members of my body follow it. Believer, how well have you set a guard? What have you let the members of your body be involved in that they shouldn't be? Satan wants nothing more than to convince us that there are little areas of our life that don't matter. They do. And while we wait patiently for God, Make every effort to set a guard, to be spotless and blameless and at peace with our Father in heaven. Set a guard. Be careful or you will be drawn away. That's his warning. Verse 18, let me finish with this. But grow 
in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and in the day of eternity. Grow in grace and knowledge. Get to know Christ better. Know his character. Know his heart. Know his mind. Know his desires. Know Christ. Know your Lord and Savior. Know who he is. Know what he's about. Know what he wants. Know how he thinks. If you know him, you will become like him. You can't become like someone you don't know. I know that's deep, but it's so true. If you don't know very much about Christ, that's exactly who you'll be. You won't be much. Get to know him. Get to know who he is. In 1 Peter 2, 2, Peter said it this way, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. And Peter starts us out saying, look, as little babies, we need infant food to help us get started in our growth. And some of us are there. We need just the infant food, the formula, the milk to help us get going in our walk. But some of us as believers, Paul says later in Hebrews, he says, you need steak. You need the heavy food. You need to put muscle on. You need to grow up into Jesus Christ. And so for some of us, we know that Jesus loves us. And that's great for us because that's where we are. But some of you have known that Jesus loved you for a long time. And you've never got farther into the word than that. And the Spirit of God wants you to draw you deeper into the word of God. So that you may know him. And Peter says it this way that you may grow up into him. Speak the truth in love and let us in every way grow to be like him who is the head, Jesus Christ. Why? Because our growth and our becoming more and more like Christ and our maturity brings glory to God. And do you know what our chief end is as believers? To bring glory to God. To bring glory to God. Believer, how you been doing while you wait? Are you spotless and blameless and at peace with God? Or have you been doing your own thing your own way? And you haven't set a guard and you've just been drifting back and forth and struggling with life. Trust him. Know Christ. Grow up into the head who is Jesus Christ. Father, would you grant us the strength and the courage to say yes to your spirit? Would you give us an ability to set a guard and to live for you the way that you've asked us to? Thank you for these words from Peter. Thank you for the reminder as Christ followers that we're to wait, but we're not to wait idly. We're to be busy about our father's business. God, grant us the strength and the courage to live in in such a way that people would see Christ in us. Thank you for these words and the encouragement that they are. In your name we pray. Amen.